right here. He's right here. I got him. Go, 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 go. Now! They can't help you, Max. There's a reason you hide from them. Ladies and gentlemen, we have returned. This is I Don't Get It, the pop culture Get Off My Lawn cast. The podcast that features the hopefully open-minded musings of two mid-to-late-40s curmudgeons rapidly staring down the prospect of their impending entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Noah Tarno, of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And Bill, we're coming up on your birthday, huh? That's true, man. Even more mid-to-late-40s. I always forget the exact day. June what? 15. June 15. Dude, I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to. I swear. I was. Anyway, why don't you introduce yourself? Who is this character? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm the birthday boy. Not really. Not yet. Uh, my name is Bill Scurry. I'm the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, which, Noah, by the way, is officially the uh, noted wardrobe supplier uh, for dart-throwing soccer hooligans in Birmingham, England. Do you know that Birmingham is the second largest city in England by population? But it is only like one seventh the size of London. Uh, well, because London is, um, you know, a, a city of sprawling, you know, metroplex, unlike any other. London's a, a city of cities. In fact, that's somewhat relevant to our to our topic yes. this week, slightly. I'll get to that. Uh, so, what do we do on the show? Well, we skipped last week. Thank and we, you. we're I skipping was, uh, next week too. You might as well. And leave we're skipping that. next week. I'm I'm traipsing around the U.S. of A., folks. That's that's what I do. Uh, but what do we do on the show? We look at something that's hot, that's new, that's happening. And we try to make sense of it with our our age adult minds. And uh, <clears throat> this was your suggestion, Bill. This is a really uh, I, I, I do need to I, did, topic, I need to pull friend. the curtain. You know, Nick Nadell always helps out a little bit sometimes, and he said, "You guys can't ignore this." Um, and I said, "Yeah." Oh, it it's hard to ignore yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, we, we could have done yeah. it last week if, if we were in the pocket, but we it, it makes just as much sense yeah, this week. Yeah, we we were lazy. Yeah, no. Uh, so we are talking about Kate Bush. Uh, Kate Bush was born Catherine Bush. What are the odds? Uh, born in 1958, like all modern hitmakers, born in 1958. <laughs> <clears throat> and she was born in um, Bexley Heath, Kent, London. By the way, do, do, do Bexley- you know what her real name was? What? Lou Alcindor. <laughs> he was in my dream last night. I swear to God, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in my dream last night. I am suddenly remember that someone like called him like... Kareem, and he's like, don't call me, like, you don't know me well enough to call me Kareem. I swear to God. <laughs> I don't know. Those who don't know, Lou Alcindor is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's real name. Uh, no, her, her real name is Catherine Bush. Uh, no middle name I could find. Uh, she is not related to the Bush American political dynasty, although I once convinced someone she was. Briefly, I convinced, I lied to someone. And, told and she was in the original lineup of Bush with Gavin Rossdale, right? Yes, with Gavin Rossdale, yeah. Never forget where you're at. Breathe in, um, breathe yeah. out. Yes, uh, Bexley Heath. I always thought that song Machine Head sounded like he was singing Mushroom Head. Anyway, uh, it's the 90s, folks. But we're going back to the 80s. On, on, and on the, the 70s, too, to some and degree. And the yeah. 70s. So she, she's from Bexley Heath. I love those uh, place names in England. Love them. Bexley it sounds like where that's where the hobbits live, you know? Yeah, exa- well, appropriate for Kate Bush. So she was born in 1958, and she was um, the Taylor Swift of her time. She started writing songs at age 11, 
and her family supported her. She made a demo tape at the age of 15, and she was discovered by David Gilmore of Pink Love Floyd. That. Love that. And he uh, played guitar on and I believe produced her debut single, a song titled Wuthering Heights, which is a reference to the Bronte novel. And it hit number one in England in 1978, right out of the gate. Her first single, she hit number one, only 19 years old. I believe it was the first song written and performed by a woman to hit number one in England. Um, And she became a pretty big star in England. She had a bunch of hits through the late 70s, early to mid 80s, uh, all the way to the early 90s. And then she kind of dropped off the scene for like 10 or 12 years. Uh, But she's always been a bit of a pop music recluse she didn't give a lot of interviews. She very uh, effectively, at the age of 19 and her early 20s, resisted industry uh, pushes to sexualize her image. Um, she never quite hit here in the U.S. Uh, previously, her biggest hit in the U.S. was Running Up That Hill, the song we're going to be talking about today, uh, hit number 30 in 1985. But she was uh, she was a cult star here. You know, I heard of her. Uh, I first heard her, she she did, she worked with Peter Gabriel a lot. I've always loved Peter Gabriel. She's the female voice in Games Without Frontiers, uh, Don't Give Up. And uh, I first heard her the way I heard most non-mainstream artists was at my my hipster hippie summer camp in Connecticut, Bucks Rock. Uh, a bunch of girls played the song Babushka on the camp radio station, and that, that caught my attention. It's a good song. It's a great song, yeah. Um, yeah, so I always, you know, knew what she was about, but she was never my thing, never never bought an album, never downloaded a song. Uh, oh, that's not true. I downloaded um, uh, Running Up That Hill to use for a Big Quizzing audio round about pain, and I downloaded Wuthering Heights for a Big Quizzing audio round about literature. Uh, anyway, why are we talking about Kate Bush, the nearly, the, the, the 64-year-old Kate Bush, 63-year-old Kate Bush now? Because... Memorial Day weekend, Netflix dropped the new season, season four of Stranger Things, the 80s flashback, uh, you know, Goonies-esque sci-fi fantasy show. And uh, Running Up That Hill plays a big role. It is a recurring motif, the favorite song of the character Max, played by Sadie Sink. And um, it's her favorite song. The song also has mystical properties, which uh, I'm only one episode in, so I can't really explain that. Um, so the show, the season dropped on Friday and by Sunday people, Oh, oh, what's the song? This song's great. Let me look it up. By Sunday, running up that hill was already number one on the iTunes chart. I mean, but that's, you know, only old fogies care about iTunes at this point, but it was number two most streamed song on Spotify behind, uh, the new hit by former one directioner, Harry Styles and, uh, Kate Bush's label very smartly started pushing the song to radio. Um, not just oldies, classic rock, 80s flashback radio, um, to the radio stations that report to the Hot 100 Billboard singles to the point where uh, the song uh, hit the charts. It is, uh, uh, I think, as of this writing or as of the last writing I read, that makes sense, this writing, we're not writing now, as of right now, uh, it was number eight in the UK, which is not as good as the number three it hit back in 85, but, you know, 37 years later. And there's also number eight in the US, which beats the number 30, from 1985, it also um, has hit the charts in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, most of Europe, and it is all over TikTok. Go to TikTok, look up Running Up That Hill. There are a lot of videos made, many referencing Stranger Things, many not, but the kids are digging uh, Running Up That Hill, the parent album that came from 
Hounds of Love, 1985 album. By the way, uh, one of my favorite bands from the early 2000s, The Future Heads. God, I miss those guys. They did a great cover of Hounds of Love. But uh, the album Hounds of Love by Kate Bush has re-entered the U.S. charts. I don't even know if it was ever there. And, you know, this is kind of a bifurcated topic for us, which we do sometimes. We're talking about Kate Bush in general. We're also talking about this phenomenon of this old song coming back in a big way. And we've seen this before. Uh, this happened a couple years ago with that that skateboarding dude drinking cranberry juice and listening to Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, Nathan Apodaca. Uh, Dreams re-entered the charts because of that. Um, uh, Something in the Way by Nirvana re-entered the charts earlier this year after it was featured prominently in The Batman. And then even going back to when we were kids, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen re-entered the charts when it was in Wayne's World. Twist and Shout, the Beatles version because of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And go back to the 60s, The Twist by Chubby Checker. Famously, uh, it was one song, it hit number one, it went away for a few years, it came back, it hit number one again. So, in some ways, this is an old phenomenon, but there's a lot of new elements to it. So, Bill, what do you think of this? What do you think of Kate Bush, and what do you think of the return of Catherine Elizabeth Mildred Bush? Lou Alcindor Bush. Lou Alcindor Marion Morris. By the way, one of my favorite jokes that came up was speaking of people's real names. Uh, I tweeted, uh, you know what? You know what Shakira's real name is, right? Shakira. Yeah. What's her Gary name? Shakira. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's it's not true. It's not. We true. could be doing worse than talking about Kate Bush right now. And yes, of course, this topic is out there, and and, and people. I'm I'm sure if you're f- familiar with hashtags or any of the social media apps that anybody uses, you were scratching your head wondering why is this happening. Uh, you know, granted, it's the middle of June already, uh, so people have gotten some time to get used to the phenomenon. And right, it's not the first time we've seen it, but you know, Kate Bush has, um, I would say, restricted supply uh, in relation to demand over the course of her career. There's been less of her out there than people wanted, which kind of always made her an enigma. And uh, you know, not only that, but her um, impression, her footprints are also very enigmatic. So what she did give you was filled with complexity, arcana, layers, and pretension. Uh, I, I'm not saying this. I'm not being critical. I'm saying those are those are. It's a winning combination. That makes you an interesting artist. And you know they don't have too many people like that. You barely had people like that back in 1978 when she dropped her first album. You know when she dropped well, Hansel Love was 85. Um, there there weren't too many people like that. However, it was more the chances that you would find somebody like her were greater back in the 70s, back in the 80s, uh, as the as the culture flattened out towards the end of the 80s into the 90s, then. Things that you consider, you know, before the mics went hot today, Noah described him, her, as somebody who was kind of on the on the fringes of prog rock. You know, we haven't really talked too much about prog rock on the show because yeah. there hasn't been, you know. That's Bill's thing, people. It kind of is. He's all, he's all about Tarkis and brain salad surgery. All the Tarkises, really. Crimson Kings. Crimson's King, yeah. and, and so, Kings Crimson. So the thing is, is that... Uh, Prague was not a response, but Prague was a type of music that flourished after, I guess, after the Beatles, after you had the sort of psychedelic thing, uh, ennobled people to take risks thematically with music. And it was a fusion of a lot of classical things with um, sometimes weird fabled mythic storytelling and and sonic landscapes and and all this stuff. There was, you know, Prague doesn't have one definition, but it was easier to find it in the seventies. And it almost kind of went away in the eighties entirely with new wave uh, or transmuted into it. Like, like dinosaurs became birds. Um, So the thing is, well, I don't know about that. I mean, there was, you know, your boys. Yes. Kind of found this middle ground between 
Prague in pop music and had some of their biggest success. And then, but in but uh, nine hundred one two was nine hundred one two five was a very nine hundred two one zero was the yeah 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 it was it was a very yeah, synth, synth, synthesized sort of new wavy type producer. Yeah. Anyway, we're way off. Yeah, we're off topic here. But the thing is, it's like um, you know, Kate Bush. The cult thing is very important because I think there's always been a hot stove for her. Uh, you know, in 2011, she did a residency at the Hammersmith Odeon in England and it sold out. You know, and it was she. Of course, she did. It hasn't. She hasn't toured. Jesus, I think I read some statistic or some fact that you know, even in the 80s, she did not. She was not a touring artist. She just was no, not interested. Not much. You know, and and uh, you know, her her music was. She did videos and she did a lot of performance art. She did uh, albums, but she wasn't a touring artist. And so there is not a lot, you know, like people don't have the experience of seeing Kate Bush in concert. Um, again, she really uh, crimped the hose to make sure that there was a trickle coming out to the fans who were starving for more of this stuff. Anyway, it's all a long way of saying that people uh, haven't heard Running Up That Hill. Unless you're old like we are, you haven't heard Running Up That Hill. You don't know Hounds of Love. You don't know her album from 78. Yeah. I feel that music trickles into life, though. I somewhat. Mean, somewhat. Maybe, maybe that's our age. and yeah. Maybe... I will. Yes, you're right. I would imagine most of the kids who discovered the song on Stranger Things had never. No, heard, no, no, absolutely. never heard the song and had never heard of Kate Bush, unless like their parents were Kate Bush fans, which is in England is not the strangest possibility. Yeah, uh, or here, you know. And so I watched the scenes. I'm not, I don't. Stranger Things ran out of novelty for me after the first season. Uh, I, really? Yeah. No, it's. Wow. I thought it was. Okay. It's. I think it's resynthesized. A lot of hack work. Um, I don't need it. Wow! No, Look fine. at this guy. It's fine. It's the, putting his putting his stake putting his uh, line in the sand. Fuck Stranger fuck Things. Fuck the Duffer Brothers. Uh, yes. Yeah, so fuck the Duffer Brothers. Fuck Millie Bobby Brown, who is one day younger than my nephews. I discovered. Fuck uh, Winona oh, Ryder. Fuck them all. Yeah. Fuck them all. So I watch this. I watch the scenes on YouTube, and I see. Okay, you know, they they edited this. They they thought about it. They they had a few songs they were auditioning. Uh, they chose this one very well. They used it to good effect. They, I think it was... I, no, I read they didn't have a few songs there auditioning. They wrote that scene for the song, and they had no plan B. If oh, okay. All right. Uh, I read something different then. So, whatever. Who, yeah, but who, either cares? It, who cares? Does it matter now? And the version they use in the uh, penultimate... Well, I guess not the penultimate, ultimate scene is not even... This, it's it's sort of souped-up orchestral one. It's it's a back... It's got a little more production and reverb, and it's got some strings to it, too. So it's not even the... the ver- you do hear the radio version at the beginning of the season, but then it comes back as a sort of an orchestral symphonic reprise later on during a very peaked violent supernatural scene it sort of shows oh I, you watch that clip of there's a clip that's going that's around that, yeah out of context where the song has power yes that's it there's demons and shit yeah again I, I don't know who the monster is i don't know what any of this shit is it doesn't really matter the monster but uh, it's, a, it's a guy in a gorilla suit with a diving helmet that's, so that's whatever kate bush you guys get it you know you know what kate bush is um there's the thing that always people think they invented the stuff um, like with, with Nathan Apodaca, I think that it's like, it's almost like a baby when you do peekaboo. People don't understand that things exist before they laid eyes on it. They almost think, <laughs> and it, look, it's always been a problem when we were, when we were younger. Uh, I know that my peer group, I think in the eighties, I always wondered, it's like, oh, you guys don't watch anything that's older than you because you think it's, it's disposable. And people had that impression in the eighties when we were kids. And it's like, oh, and you guys never went back and watched movies from the 50s or 60s or 70s or 20s and 30s. And it's like, granted, I my, I built up that um, hunger for research and a hunger for an, an archive or, you know, a, a going back and seeing what the what the record was, you know, in terms of music and, and, and movies and art and, and all this culture. Um, but people don't think that anything existed before they became aware. But, but why do you say that? You think these kids are like... 
think this is a new song? Uh, no, I think... It's not like these kids are denying that no, the song is from but 1985. I, th- I think that, no, the, it's part of it is training, and then part of it is the fact that we live in this absolutely disposable... Things can't... As soon as something's five minutes old, get rid of it, never talk about it again, because there's another 10,000 hours of stuff coming down the pike. But that this is literally the opposite of that. Well, They're embracing a song that's 37 fucking years old. And that's, that's the weird phenomenon. You watch this, uh, two like two air patterns hitting each other. The fact that... Um, you know, people, the companies that make music, they don't want to acknowledge back catalog artists, even though those make billions. And they make a lot of money. They make off a lot of money, shit, but you don't ever see the, them. The, whoever, whoever has Hounds of Love is very happy. Right. right? You, but it's like, you know, you don't see, uh, you don't see the faces of Ario Speedwagon. You don't see the faces of Air Supply. All these, uh, these uh, labels, these acts from yesteryear become invisible because they're old. And yes, of course, you can buy the albums. They make a lot of money, but they're not represented anywhere. You will never see them as part of culture, as, a, as the milieu that still exists. In some ways... We literally are seeing them as the milieu. The show everyone's talking about, it's the centerpiece. That's what I'm saying, is that Kate Bush... No, Kate Bush is... Uh, people are seeing this happen, and it's like it's frying people's brains because they have no idea where it came from. That's what I'm saying. It's as if... You're saying this is unusual. Well, but maybe it's not unusual because we saw Dreams and Nathan Apodaca and the Batman. And, you know, maybe it's not. Maybe this is happening a lot now. But All right. So if you think about the way culture used to be, it was... Um, you could dip into it and you would listen to your parents' music and you would listen to things they had left over. And it was much more universal. Where, granted, you did not love albums phonograph you know lps that just you know from 1978 that wasn't the one thing you listened to 100 of the time however oh, it was it kind of was for okay, me but, but i'm saying it was story. part of your diet it was the idea that you were right. you had all these influences that were there now i don't think that people pass on culture uh from the past as easily as it used as as was given to us when we were younger i don't think people are encouraged to uh, build up a really broad musical taste or a broad taste in art, broad taste in movies, uh, things like that. And so it, it seems weird to say, well, of course, Kate Bush is great. Kate Bush never went away. The song's been an airplay on things we've listened to and I've owned it for years. It's watching young people look at it a little, you know, they're saying, oh my God, this is great. And it's like, yeah, it was always there. It's like, think of, mm-hmm. think of the market forces that kind of kept you from seeing it. That's more what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm puzzling about, you know? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a different entertainment world now. People discover things in new and different ways. Or not right? at all. And, or not and, at all. Or not at yeah. all, and yeah, I mean, Stranger Things is is. I mean, it's been a while. People just, I mean, let's go back to when we were kids and Twist and Shout was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and and Bohemian Rhapsody was in Wayne's World. I mean, this is how we've discovered things. But maybe what you're saying is it's a more power. It's it's the only way or the primary way to discover old music now. I mean, there are other ways that don't get as much press, like. I definitely know kids who like old bands because my dad likes it. Like the girl I met who's like, I'm getting into the who because my dad loves the who. I'm like, that's pretty fucking awesome. You know, good on your dad. Um, Yeah, I mean, I um, so my opinion of Kate Bush is I, I mentioned I first heard her Peter Gabriel and then I heard like girls at summer camp play her. I always kind of thought she's very talented. She's very interesting, but she's not my thing at all. She's she always struck me as girl music, you know, which I. I'd say I instinctively, you know, kind of pushed away. But look, even listening to it now, it just doesn't do it for me. And then when I went to college, um, I kind of saw as her heir, uh, Tori Amos. People are so into Tori Amos. 
And I view them as kind of like the same type. They're like the music for the girls who, you know, read Elf Quest when they were young or, or read Neil Gaiman in college and, you know, fairies and mystical stuff and witches and all that, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not, it's not my bag, as we yeah, say. Kate, Kate uh, Bush was like the Anglo version of that. Tori Amos is like the American version of that. So there's, there's sort of more of that Ang- yeah, Anglo, I, I guess. Anglo-Saxon folk is soaked into so much of what Kate Bush well, does, but, you know? But Tori Amos was very much of the, you know, take it for, I mean, there's a reason she's quoted all over fucking Neil Gaiman's work yeah. because she talks about that shit. Yeah, she speaks she had language, a very, yeah. even though she's American, she had a very British sensibility to her work, very British influences. Anyway, whatever. I, I think they're of a type and that's a, that's a feminine type. And I'm, you know, a combination of not being feminine and also like, you know, being insecure about my masculinity. I didn't really engage with that shit. Um, but I, you know, this past week listening to her in the most concentrated amount that I've ever listened to her, she's unique. She's creative. She's got a fuckload of talent. Uh, so I, I kind of think this is like a topic of ours a few years ago, Fiona Apple, same kind of thing. Uh, you know, you're really talented. You know what you're doing. You're awesome. I love it that people love you. You're great, but just not, not my, not my cup of joe. Uh, as for this phenomenon, whether this is good or not, that the song is back, that she is back, I'm kind of torn. You know, I like that quality gets rewarded. I like that a creative, interesting song uh, is, is you know, zooming up the charts and people are discovering it. The kids are discovering good music, especially compared to a lot of the new music that we explore on the show that's really, you know, not that good. Devoid of influence. Uh, and well, just kind of bland at best. You know, I remember Glass Animals. Like, fuck this shit. I mean, I tried to say I try to say nice things about all these people, but they're, you know, who cares? Um, and I also like that this song is sort of a surprise hit and that Kate Bush is sort of a surprise comeback and that things can become mainstream popular without being shoved down our throats by the masters of media. Now, I, I know it was on the hottest show on Netflix, so it, might feel like it was shoved down our throats, but I don't think they put it in strangers. Ah, we're going we're gonna to make uh, running up that hill ahead again. I don't think that was the plan, right? I think it just sort of happened because they, they made a good choice putting it in the song and putting it in the show. And Kate Bush made a good choice saying, okay. Apparently she like never does that. Like people have asked her a lot and she almost always says no. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, as much as I enjoy shouting at kids to get off my lawn, It'll be their lawn someday soon. I mean, it's pretty much their lawn now. So I'm not sure how I feel about old songs being hits all the time. I mean, I guess it's still not all the time, but like if we get to a world where the only music people are listening to is 30, 40 years old, you know, that'll that'll be an indication of a stagnant culture. Arts wise. Look, look at our movie. The feature space is just franchise. Well, OK, you're right. And I think that's a fucking look at this right now. We're listening to Kate Bush. Yeah. We're watching Top Gun and we're almost at war right with Russia, yeah. you know, like so it's the 80s all over again. So that's not good because culture needs to evolve and change. This is what I'm saying. As much as I might hate fucking I can't keep up with this stuff anymore. Olivia Rodrigo, Glass Animals, whatever. That's the way the world's supposed to work. Baby boomers are mad that the world's moved on without them. But, you know, too bad. That's it's the wheel of time, my friends. Um, we need new music, you know, and even if I think it sucks, it's got to happen. So I'm torn on the, the quality of this phenomenon. I love the production, first and foremost, I mean, because it kind of set a tone. And then the way she was uh, singing the songs, 
her voice was just angelic. No, let's talk popularity. Tell me if you can if you can lock down the reasons. What's going on? Why the hell is this phenomenon happening right now? Well, I think I know you think the Duffer Brothers are the worst filmmakers in history. I mean, they're <laughs> like in, in Bill's opinion, the worst uh, uh, directors ever are the Duffer Brothers and Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah, That's and it. yeah, I would rather watch and, Ernest and Ernest Scared Stupid. That was a classic, man. Uh, have you ever seen an Ernest movie? I've never seen. I saw Ernest, Ernest Goes to Camp in the theater. Yes. Really? Yeah. Look, Last look year. You. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Big revival. It was a, a new print. It was a, 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 <laughs> an interview with the director. Six, it was a festival. Six, Ernest sixteen festival. millimeter print. Yeah, Dolby. Sixteen millimeter print of Ernest. It was an IMAX. An IMAX upgrade. Yes. Right. Yes. Jim Varney. He. Uh, that was his final. His final wish. Uh, anyway, uh, I think it was inspired choose it for this thing in Stranger Things. I mean, again, I've only watched an episode, but from what I can tell and what I read and the clips I watched, this was a perfect example of taking pop music and incorporating it into a TV show. So they they gave it a great forum for people to discover it. And of course, the show is so fucking big that you put it, you know, if this were just some Netflix show that you and I had never heard of, it wouldn't have that that traction. So, so good, good call, good use of it in something that already had uh, people's people's ear, people's attention. Um, and why are they going for? It? I don't know. Maybe it's just that the new stuff sucks. Like even though I try to find nice things to say about Olivia Rodrigo and Glass Animals and even Taylor Swift, who I think is not bad, but like I just don't think she's that original. You know, maybe when people hear things that really are original, you know, the the quality. Cat grabs them, right? Um, Nothing sounds like Kate so, Bush, you know. Again, it's like there's a continuum well, of music. I think Tori Amos does, right. but she's 30 years old at this. I mean, I don't even know if she's still releasing records. I have no idea. So, no, I mean they're different. They're different. She's different. Kate Bush is. I mean, I think Fiona Apple does, right? She she, she those, references uh, Kate Bush on in Fist of Bolt Cutters, right? Yeah. The, those 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 uh, freaking you know flighty elfin. Uh, creative, slightly depressed, you know, uh, odd bird women singers, you know, they've never quite had the center of America's pop culture attention. So maybe when they're pushed in front of people's faces, as you're able to do by good use of Stranger Things, it forces people to sit up and 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 take control, take a, take what's the word I'm looking for? Pay attention. Take a, sit up and pay attention. I'm old. Um, and then TikTok just pushes it higher, you know? I mean, this, as with everything we talk about, it's just the right place, right time, right people picked up on it. It's a churn, and man. just it's pushed it even farther. Fucking churn. It never, ever ends. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, like, actually, this it's a very simple, direct answer, like you say, why is it popular? For that exact reason. I mean, uh, it's, it's because a TV show, which, Frank, you know, to be honest, I thought... Stranger Things had ran out of gas. I didn't realize it was still a world beater. I know the first season was enormous. I just thought that it had flagged. I didn't realize it was still doing so well. I hadn't been paying attention to it. But this is ev- this is evidence that it's, it's still rolling along at, at a pretty high level. Uh, yeah, so it was a poignant and well-placed use of the song 
in season four. It was both diegetic and sort of um, non-diegetic as a song. It was played, and the character was listening to it in Walkman. Yeah, she was listening to it on her Walkman. And, over and, and over then it was again. played as a theme, you know, as if it was the score to the scene as well. Um, you know, that's that's classic. That that works really well. You know, Noah, you know what it made me think of, which is 25, no, 15 years ago, this week, was uh, the, the finale of The Sopranos. Don't Stop Believing from Journey. Yeah. Was, I mean, there's the interesting fact that that was the first time, like the next day, it, it Don't Stop Believing went into the iTunes charts, yeah. top of the iTunes charts. Yeah. And that was the first time people noticed that phenomenon. And then a few years later, smaller, but the finale of Breaking Bad pushed Badfinger's Baby Blue. Which is an oh, I, God, I love that fucking song. Um, but yeah, this started being the thing that like so they had to know that this could this might have made the song a hit again. But I don't think that's why you know your arch enemies, the Duffer Brothers, chose to do that. <laughs> no, they weren't no. getting money under the table from Kate Bush. Or uh, you know, I mean, it's a little off topic, but now artists and their management um, are looking out for this potential possibility because they knew Steve Perry, you know, made a very critical decision to allow David Chase. To allow you, you know, allow them to use "Don't Stop Believing," and um, yeah, you know, the estate of Nirvana, that you know, they they or the estate of Kurt Cobain gave the you know whatever per- percentage approval to use something in the way for um, you know for the Batman and those things, and so yeah, you know, everybody, these artists are on the lookout for these potential. They, like they know that there's virality around the corner, and especially the younger people who are running the um, YouTube channels and the social media, like the people who are trying to live in today's world as opposed to the world of the '70s and '80s that these older pop stars live in have to have a different perspective on on their on their music you know but but getting back to this though it's like i, I let's also why is it popular first of all it's, it's an excellent song it's a really well-produced song she made it herself on that fairlight computer she sequenced it it's almost all i think the the only actual um in, in, instrument on it I, I don't even know if there are any i think it is completely it was a drum track and uh really? synthesizer yeah it was i think her her boyfriend at the time was her bass player yeah. and i know he he probably played I think on that. He, he was a guy in our band for 10 years. They were in a relationship. I think he programmed the drum track And she something. married yeah. someone else. But yeah. it, all right, so, uh, you know, the song, and it, and it never went away. That was the point I was trying to make up front. The song, in, in some ways, has never really gone away, depending on how old you are. And you, you keep it. It's the, the line between what's new and what's old has been made eminently distinct uh, by a music industry which which wants to churn through new artists without paying lip service to established acts as as a forefront of what the face of the business looks like, even in spite of how much money uh, back catalog artists, you know, like Dark Side of the Moon still sells piles and piles and piles yeah. of, of, of records. Yeah. There's no such thing yeah. as a record, but I'm saying fucking thriller. Uh, see, no, I'm sorry. I still call these things records. They're recordings. Okay. See, I don't like that. It doesn't matter the foreign. Everything's a record. Everything's an album. But you can't buy. You could say a vinyl record. You could say an LP. You could say an eight track. But people don't. Cassette, people don't buy CD, all the songs on the physical thing. You copies. Know what I'm saying it's like maybe they buy. No, they don't. But they can. They can. And they're released as an album. Like even if you're not buying an album, someone is releasing it. It's a collection of songs you can get individually. I I still say it's a. Record. But then I just okay, this is the thing. The the um, we had the phenomenon of the record store. No, like one of the things that we loved to go to was the record store. You know, I loved hanging out at the. Record you know what, store, man? man? It's like that was the comic book store. It's that was awesome. the record store. Awesome. It was. It's you spend an hour figuring out what yeah. one CD you're gonna buy. Yeah. It was great. That's a, awesome. So, Sam Goody in the Livingston Mall. I'm, I'm not. I'm not just you know like the idea of being able to get everything everywhere is great. 
great. And I, pref- I much prefer that than the idea. But the record store is the thing that always says to you that you you were going there to buy uh, houses of the holy. You know, you were there to go yeah. to buy an yeah. artifact. And I, not just an artifact, buy, yeah. but something yeah. something from the past. You can still buy that thing from the past. It's easier to get your hands on, uh, what is it, uh, whatever album Do Your Maker was on. You know, but it's like, you know, you go back in time to find that thing. And that was the, that was the way you found things from the past is because it was actually able to right. to, to catalog things, I, things you might want to see. I read in our, I think it was a Slate article, Chris Malamphy, who uh, he's he's a great writer about pop music. And he had an article about this phenomenon. And he said how, like, if this happened years ago, it would be like, all right, you got to go to the fucking store and either buy Hounds of Love or Kate Bush's Greatest Hits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they would, I mean, I remember 1999, right? Uh, no, 1998, December 1998. Everyone's getting excited for 1999. And those are the days I was working in music journalism. And I would look at like the raw chart info and both Prince's 1999 album and Prince's Greatest Hits. Like the chart of like old albums that are the best-selling yeah. old albums, yeah. which always had Dark Side of the Moon yeah. and Sinatra's Greatest yeah. Hits. No, it had Sinatra's Greatest Hits after he died. It was fascinating. And these things that would re-enter the news would pop up. But it's so different now. You 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 don't have to go out and physically buy a Kate Bush record. You hell, you could just stream it on Spotify or 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 watch the video on YouTube. I kind of want to ask if you were young now, would you have any more love for Stranger Things? I guess that's, I guess that's a side thing. To would you? be a bigger Kate Bush fan? Would you be happier about that? Would you be making little TikToks of you dancing to, to about how you had a lip syncing if, if, if you only could make a deal with God and ask him to swap places? Some of those TikToks, like people are like, they're doing anything with the jumping in the air and slowing it down so it look like they're levitating, which is what happens in the yeah. scene. Yeah, I, I really appreciate how clever these kids get just for these little 10 second long cutouts. But yeah, you know, I, like, I did like this as a kid. Um, this this was what was, it's really weird because you could, here's something that we rarely talk about something that was still there as a kid, that we discovered it as a kid and we're talking about it now on the show. This is a rare, you know, alignment of the planets. You know, the, the, the that, what is the thing? The, uh, the planetary heliotrope thing is sort of like aligned, uh, you know, so the moon and the yeah. sun and Jupiter and all those things are in one, in one place. It's like going back to 1985 again. Yeah, you know what, you, you, Noah, you will know this on the USA Network, which still exists. There used to be a show called Night Flight, which was a sort yes. of weird potpourri of all these things they would put together. And God knows, I don't know what it was. It was like a compendium of strange sources. They did videos. They did clips. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. And because they, it was a show that was just a catch-all for a lot of different culture. But a lot of it was underground acts. And, you know, Kate Bush was never what you call an underground act. However, like you said, never huge in America. So I saw... Um, the video for uh, Running Up That Hill on a show called Wogan from 1985 on Night Flight. And uh, it was, you know, that sound of it is such an 80, that again, the, the synthesizer, the Fairlight musical computer. Boom, boom. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really. It's, it's so sexy. It's great. I love the synthesizer sound. I've, I've, it's, it's earmarked everything I want my entire life from music. That's, you know, one of the, the reasons why I love Prague so much. And um, 
the actual visual was her standing at a lectern, almost like she's giving, it's this very stride, you know, she, she was a performance artist. She took the money that EMI gave her. I think it was the label EMI Elstree, I think was the, is the label she was signed for. She took the advance and then went and did a year of training in mime and interpretive dance because she, really? she, she said that. That's awesome. She said, you know what? I am not prepared to do, put the image I want out there. I need to know how to move my body and become a, like a sort of kinesthesiological artist in addition to a singer. And so she moved, she did a lot of interpretive dance. She did a lot of modern dance, a sort of a lot of balletic moves. And she was as much into the motion of the, the image selling her songs as, as her voice, her five octave, uh, you know, powerhouse magical voice on top of that. So I saw this video on, on Night Flight and I was actually captivated by it. And I wasn't sure if I liked it, but it tattooed itself on me. Again, it was the visual of like, I don't know who this woman is. It's obvious that she's British, but this song, I, I can't get the song in my head for my entire life. And she seems like she is cultivating the entire image from the top down. She is a consummate artist. You know what? In a way that David Byrne was, but I thought David Byrne was a RISD, uh, the talking heads were like a RISD college jerk off. I never really got into them because I thought there was no heart <laughs> to, the, to the talking heads that seemed like they were ah. really ironic college radio sort of metastasized into a national phenomenon so but but Kate Bush struck me as something very different where there was heat there was fire there's again all that Anglo-Saxon J.R.R. Tolkienism hobbit shit that's stuck in all that that stuff is it's like so arcane it's so mystic it's and and the fact that she took that stuff, it was influenced by, and she's singing about you know Heathcliff and what's her face from Wuthering Heights with the synthesizer with modern production. That's fucking magic. I, but you you didn't go out and buy the record. No, because I didn't buy music when I was a kid. It was like again, but we 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 watched music on MTV. We watched music on the whatever the beginning of VH1, which came later. When, you know, in mm. the eighties. I used to I used to tape. We didn't get cable in my town until like nineteen eighty eight. So I used to set the VCR and record Friday night videos. Yeah. Right? All those things. So no, yeah. I, I didn't buy... And watch it on Saturday. I didn't buy anything, but I, I knew that I liked it. I knew that this was... Oh, this is this is not just like listening to, um, I don't know, Def Leppard or... or I'm not taking anything <laughs> away from Joe... Uh, what is it? Uh, 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 who's Def Leppard's lead singer? Joe Elliott, right? Not to take anything away from him. Was he the lead singer yeah. or the guitarist? I think he was the lead singer. I like Def Leppard. No, that's what I'm saying. They're right. fine, but it's like Kate Bush was actually interesting. And again, she's interesting... In a sort of epochal way, and that's why you know all the Taylor Taylor, yeah. Taylor Swift may be just as talented as, as, as Kate Bush, but there's, she's not doing anything that's nearly, nearly as interesting to me as what no. as what Kate Bush did. I, I think, yeah, I mean, good point. Comparing it to talking about Taylor Swift, like so talented, but just like how could you just Kate Bush is so much more interesting she, well, Taylor than Swift, Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift than Olivia Rodrigo she, than Billie Eilish than she, all these she people. Looks, she looks she looks internal. She's a navel gazer, as everybody in I music mean, and pop is. You know, I, I yeah. I mean, sorry, but this this is a, a a detour into like the female singer songwriters we looked at, like Lucy Dacus, right? Like, ah, right, she's a little different, but like, I don't know. I mean, they're out there, and we've probably talked about them. I can't think of them right now, but like. Kate Bush is sweet, generous in a way. I mean, I think that's what you said. Even if we're not going to go out and buy these albums. I, I brought up like, Kate Bush like two months ago when we talked about Mitski because I got a lot of uh, Kate Bush. Mits, thank yeah. you. I think Mitski, yes. She is interesting. I think yes, Mit she's definitely interesting. We yeah. talked about Fiona Apple. Mitski is someone who's like, wow, this is fucking different. And I even remember like when I first heard Babushka, I remember that moment going, this song is different, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Um, so would I have liked this more if I were young now? Yeah, I think so because – 
I, look, I like Stranger Things. I know that that offends you to your core. And every 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 principle you have is offended by the fact that I enjoy Stranger Things. But <laughs> I think I'd like it even more. I mean, seriously, you, it, it is as bad as Nazi propaganda in your mind. Uh, but, I, but I like it. Uh, I'd take it over Lenny Riefenstahl. Um, I'd like Stranger Things more if I were a kid. I don't really know why, but I just I just feel like I would. Oh yeah, I probably I yeah. probably would too. I'll get I'll get on board with that. I definitely would yeah. Take it see, more. Yeah, sure. okay, there you go. Okay. See, you you've just gotten stupider and your taste yeah, has gotten yeah, worse. Right. Your I've age. degraded, demented, deranged. And, right, and I also think if I were young now, I would have. And it's funny because like as much as I was like, ooh, girl stuff, I got to stay away. Like I still embrace that shit more than most of other guys I knew. Like I remember at that same summer camp where I first heard Kate Bush. Like my friends and I would tease people by like guys would hug. And we were like unafraid, you know, no one said, oh, you guys are gay or whatever. But like we would make a show of it to go like, we don't give a shit, right? We hug, we love each other, that kind of thing. And I think we'd be leaning into that shit even more now. Like I might be the, (laughs) I know of a kid right now, he's in middle school. He's like total boy stereotype all the way. And just to razz people, like occasionally says, please, I, I prefer the pronoun she. And he's only doing it just to razz people. And... I'm like, all right, but, like, the cool thing about that is, like, if we had even joked about that as kids, we would have been, like, shoved into a Punched in the arm, yeah. Until the end of time. I mean, it would have been, you couldn't even joke about it. It would have been too weird. And now that a kid can just play around with that idea, I I guess it's good. Um, So I would have been less afraid of, quote-unquote, girl music. So I could see a scenario where I actually really, I'm into Kate Bush as a teenager, if I were a teenager now. Um, then again, I might feel the same way. Like, ah, oh, she's talented, but like, who cares? All right, now is Kate Bush uh, rising like the locust coming out of the ground every seven years uh, to eat the crops away? Is this a sign of the apocalypse? Every 37, 37 years. 37 years. What other acts from 85? Well, Weird Al has been back forever. Yeah, right? he never went, Weird Al never went away. That's the thing. We never went away. Springsteen sort of never Springsteen went away. Springsteen never Prince went away. Prince is dead. Yeah. Well, Prince's music can come back at any moment. Do you remember right? in uh, 2000, um, uh, what year did Michael Jackson die? Oh, nine? Uh, yeah, I think nine or eleven. I think it was oh nine. It's like that. You okay. know, that was huge. Like all of a sudden, yeah. It, it's like, well, you know. he's. I mean, he never went away in a sense. But well, you know, uh, they just announced that Julia Garner, great actress, is going to be playing Madonna in a biopic. That's right. Yeah, and and if that biopic's a hit, you'll hear Madonna's music everywhere. True. Uh, I don't know who eighty five. We need to bring back Survivor. You yeah. know, Saga. How about that? Saga was great. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. I when I went to high school in Canada, they used to play Saga on classic rock radio all the time because they were from Calgary. No one can stop me Saga. now. Tonight I'm on the Tonight loose. I'm on the loose. Yeah. Watch that video. That guy was talented. Whatever. That's ridiculous. Um. So no, I, I mean this might be the apocalypse if we keep getting to a point where every hit is a song from decades ago, right? That if new, like I said, if culture is stagnant and nothing new happens. I mean, you, you made me feel better by reminding me of Mitski, who's, like, actually talented and different. Uh, I mean, they're all talented, but she's different. She's unique. I actually like I think you. I think you suggest that topic. That was yours, you know? You, fuck yeah, I did, because I'm a Mitski fan. Um, I don't know. not that big a fan. So if this is an indication that all new music sucks and the culture is stagnant and all we're going to do is listen to Kate Bush and watch Top Gun movies, then we got a problem. <laughs> but... We're not there yet. These things pop, you know, 
I mean, these, this coming back and Dreams coming back and Nirvana coming back and, you know, every couple of years an old song coming back or every year, every couple of months an old song coming back. I mean, these are in general good songs. You know, I'm glad these are coming back and not, what's the worst song of the 80s, man? Mexican Radio by Wall of Voodoo. I don't know. Are you kidding? That song is great. I'm, no, I'm just pu- Are you serious? No, I'm, I'm pulling you know, one of the most stereotypical 80s songs out of my ass, I'm saying. Uh, what uh, Achy Breaky Heart was the '90s. Uh, I think of what the oh, uh, 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 dancing on the ceiling, get out of my dreams, get into my car. Uh, oh, okay. People always say we built we built this city, but I like we built this city. I stand by we built this city. Um, there have to be worse songs from the '80s. I mean, I, I, there are obvious ones we're not thinking of. Folks, uh, we are at Noah and Bill Show on social media. Let us know what the worst songs <laughs> of the 80s were. Give us a playlist. Oh, there's a Rick. It, it kind of went under the radar, but there's a Rick Springfield song, a minor hit of his called Bop Till You Drop. And I like Rick Springfield, but listen to the song Bop Till You Drop. It might be the worst song ever recorded. I, I think that the, this is this is kind of an NA because I mean the song is definitely not a, a sign of the apocalypse, but yeah, I, I want to piggyback on what you just said because um, we've talked about a lot of really super super talented people who are well, I guess you said the word in sui generis ta- uh, talents, and that's different from just being very talented. Um, and we don't have so much the kind of all-encompassing pretentious artists in the way that we had more access to, or at least it was a chance that they could get some kind of pop star and I'm like Kate Bush did. So um, the juxtaposition of this song coming out uh, and being uh, around us now and young people comparing it to all the songs that they've been listening to, you know, say, well, what Taylor Swift does with her talent and her empty, you know, bottomless bank account and, you know, endless resources is uh, seems like she's squandering it because she doesn't have a really expansive, you know, sense of ambition when she puts her music out. She talks about, you know, this is a relationship she had. She writes a 10,000 song about leaving a scarf somewhere and having a tiff with an ex-boyfriend. Not That's not my ball game. That's not my bag. That doesn't make it bad. It just it doesn't suggest to me a use of talent the way Kate Bush once did, where it seems like she was kind of tram- trammeling down... Uh, borders and fences, and she was really interested in kind of doing something new and being more unsafe with with her influences. So, you know, I had this note here about how um, the TikTokification of music, and granted, we are talking about TikTok as a phenomenon from pushing Kate Bush, but, um, you know, the, the, the influences that music has to exist within or coexist alongside of is... You know, kids who are, you know, narcotized by the web, narcotized by porn, narcotized by social media, narcotized by cheap, easy available weed. Um, you know, the the, the, the whole Velton Shawang of a generation and, you know, what kids listen to, I think that they, you know, to see Kate Bush next to what pop music looks like today uh, and granted, Kate, Kate Bush's pop music in only the, you know, you have to stretch the definition of pop music to say Kate Bush was that. However, she, she you know. Uh, wh- why? I don't think no, so. No, I'm saying, but even even amongst her peer group, she did not sound like them. It, it was pop music, but. Right, but it was still pop music. I think, I mean, it might be obvious part of the reason this is running up the hills coming back is it's got a catchy. Yeah. Melody, I mean, there's nothing not pop about it. No, I know, but it's like, on the other hand, I think Emerson Lake and Palmer has plenty of, like, 
catchy melodies and driving chorus yes. of hooks, and it's like people don't ever refer to them in anything. That'll never come back because that's just so far outside the payoff. I'm not sure about that, man. Well, I would love it if you put Carnival in a Stranger Things show, and it'll it'll get some downloads. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. It's got a good melody. Uh, that and uh, and Lucky Man were all over classic rock radio. Yeah. I know, but there was like three songs that were, yeah, anyway, radio hits. But yeah, so it's like the only sign of the apocalypse could be that if this stuff, if you bring something from the archives up, and granted, again, this is like, it, stood, it stands the test of time. This is this is the one of those songs that there is. Um, you know, I mean, even 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 among Kate Bush's songs, this is not, this is the best, I think, by far, and she's got a strong career, but this sounds even different from her other songs in, in such a good way. So is, is, it, is it a fair comparison with how much garbage comes out today? And again, I'm not running on all pop music, but I'm just saying it's like the pop music is made creatively in a different crucible than it was then, uh, and that doesn't reflect well on pop music of today. So, Bill, is there any way that you are jealous of Kate Bush? Is there any way you're jealous of the phenomenon of running up that hill coming back via the worst TV show you've ever seen, Stranger Things, uh, that you hate with the passion of 10 million burning hot suns? Uh, you know, I did read someone uh, on Twitter. Their reaction was something like um, they, they were exalting this phenomenon by envying all the young people who are going to hear Hounds of Love for the first time. Obviously, this was this was a real diehard. This is a real adherent. Uh, listen, listen to the future heads, man. Those guys were great. And uh, anyway. it's like, so I heard what real envy would sound like when it comes to Kate Bush. This is somebody who never relinquished it, always you know, lives inside the headspace, uh, and probably not to the exclusion of other for forms of art. It's just that, again, the way I venerate... Um, ELP, for instance, that person does the Kate Bush thing where it's like, oh, this is great. I felt that way about Journey when I've, I've been an unironic uh, lover of Journey my entire life. And so when Don't Stop Believing came out, you know, there were so many think, think pieces about how people said, oh, you know, this song, which is, you know, uh, cheap and, and facile and a real piece of. Oh, it's a great song. It's a great song. It's a fucking great it's song. It's a fucking great song. Yeah, and it's song. like you're an idiot if you're running it down in writing this this think piece about the Sopranos finale. It's like you don't need to run down this great song. You know, it's it's no. it's not possible. So uh, no, but I'm I'm actually not jealous because first of all, I wasn't the biggest Kate Bush fan of all time. You know, uh, it, this, even if this was my favorite song of hers. Um, but no, and, and the whole Stranger Things too, I'm not, I don't regret not watching Stranger Things and somehow not being a part of the phenomenon of watching right. the in-situ where it showed up. Right. So no, I'm, I'm out of this one. Uh, no, I'm not jealous. I'm the opposite of jealous by one aspect because I mean, look, it's not like I had ever had a, you know, I certainly didn't have a hit at 19 or what would pass for a hit for me in, in my attempts at entertainment. Um, but the fact that at 63 or 64, 63, her birthday's in July, at 63, Kate Bush has this monster comeback is heartening to me because maybe I won't, I'm not too old to be discovered. You know, I've been grinding away at entertaining people for a while, and while I'm able to run a business doing it, I never achieved my childhood dream of being famous. And while it's not quite my dream anymore, I don't want to be famous. I've said this a thousand times. I don't want to be famous. I want to be you know, respected and admired by a coterie of people kind of thing because I'm insecure, I admit it. Um, so like, hey, you know, may maybe it'll happen when I'm 64, you know? When I'm 64. Maybe you could be like... Uh, a, I wrote that song. Most people don't know that. Maybe you could be, you could be like Clara Peller who, who had a lot of uh, fame. I could be like Clara Peller. her age, you know? Right. I can be on a, a Wendy's ad and make a board game about me and I'm the guest timekeeper at WrestleMania 2. Uh, yeah, I could be in a Wendy's ad. That would be great. Uh, no, it's just this idea that our culture, 
does not exclude anyone over the age of 14, you know? Like, uh, by the way, did you hear that Justin Bieber has some disease and he's paralyzed now? I think it was a temporary thing on one side of his face. It was a palsy. I think it's it was a virus. Oh, disease. I thought I heard he's done. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, I just read like two headlines. Maybe I was dreaming that. Anyway, sorry, Biebs. You know, I'm, I apologize. It's not it's not fair. You're a young man. He's not even that young. He's probably like 35. He's like 48. You know, he's a year older than we he's are. 40. He's younger than we so are. So what about the what about uh, the scale, though? Where would you put this on the uh, uh, the, the Tolkien, Tolkienian scale of, of yeah, Anglo-Saxon yeah, hobbitisms? I, I mean, in terms of Kate Bush herself, I I had her at Fiona Apple times 1.03. Uh, but you, you reminded me of Mitski, and I got to admit I like Mitski better. So she's probably like 0.86 of Mitski. But uh, the phenomenon of this being a comeback, I actually compared it to um, a somewhat recent topic of ours, indie sleaze, right? This old thing coming back, and is it good and is it bad? And I have to say this is better because it just feels, indie sleaze feels a little sad in a certain way. stupid, yeah. Okay, thank you. But it proves that the past is not forgotten, right? But maybe the past not being forgotten is a problem. See, I'm very indecisive about this topic. So I'm going to say it's, Indie Sleaze times X. Indie Sleaze X. What X is, I leave it the, that up to you. Uh, I would put this quite highly. Uh, just, I'm just, it did, because of the song alone, I mean, the, the fusion of Stranger Things, again, it was a win for the Duffers to, to, do, to pick that song. That and that must kill you that it was I, a eats win. me up inside. you hate yeah, them yeah, so much. So yeah. much. And Kate Bush had the foresight to see that, you know, either her or her people. Um, Kate Bush was probably doing the dishes in her, like, com- Comfort Shire house or whatever weird Kent- Kent- Kentish ranch she lives on with a sort of thatched yeah. roof, you know. Yeah, she has an actual living unicorn. A babbling stream behind her. She yes. capers. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yes, she has all, all her, her, she, her, her, she has gnome servants. She was, she was cutting sprigs of basil in her garden and bringing it aside to make it, to make a stew. Uh, hanging, you know, one of those hanging cauldrons over a fire, you know, as they do. And, yeah, <laughs> and so, exactly. somehow her, her, you know, they sent over a raven with a message tied to its uh, claw. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> And, and her, uh, you know, her, her management, her management really got on board. They did the right thing. Anyway, yeah. So this is a, yes. this is a summation of a lot of things going uh, going right. But again, I think the song is an all time banger. I've listened to it a hundred times this week again because of this. I've listened to it a thousand times in the last, you know, since I got it on MP3 form. I would put this up there with Death Note, which is one of our early topics. I, oh I really, wow, really you love it. Death Note. You know, it's if, the anti stranger thing. If this, if this is a carrier wave signal to embed Kate Bush. And running up that hill in there, I'll take whatever it is. If you if you covered this in sourdough starter, it would elevate sourdough starter. If you put this in acai bowls, it would elevate all those things. <laughs> so, are you going to go out and purchase music from Kate Bush, or are you just going to glom onto? No, actually, it's true. I was thinking about it because I've had um, since one of the very first MP3s I downloaded and in the Napster era was running up that. Running up, running up that hill, wow, wow. and I was like, "Well, you know what? I actually owe her the money, and so I should. I should. No, seriously, <laughs> that's a really good attitude, yeah. man. No, I, I've been, nice listen, I've been listening to it on repeat for so what? I guess now that's almost twenty years of the MP3 thing. And it's like, well, she should get paid for this thing. She, she's given me, and it's like it's ninety nine cents. I should at least do that, if not buy babushka and all this shit. You really you know? should. Yeah. Well, no, it looks like it's time to bring this the, by the sun. The sundial in my front lawn. It's time to bring this thing in for a close. So, if you want to find past episodes, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google. Play. Play Stitcher. Tweet to us at No One Bill Show. 
write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. And like Noah said, put up a list of the uh, worst songs of the 80s. We'll definitely uh, we'll go back and forth on that. Give us a review on the aggregators, too. That's how people find podcasts. I am on Twitter, at William Scurry. Uh, I am on uh, YouTube. All my content is on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. I recently did uh, a Film 89 podcast. I'm always on Film 89, but we did a uh, 40th anniversary Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Two hours talking about one of the greatest movies. Pretty much on the week, it was the week anniversary of when it was released in 1982. So that's out there in the aggregators as well. And now here's Noah to tell you about himself. Uh, I am Noah. I am all about the Big Quiz Thing. BigQuizThing.com, America's premier provider of in-person and virtual corporate and private trivia events nationwide, worldwide. Uh, we're booking heavy for the summer, man. It's happening. It's a happening. I need a vacation. Uh, so uh, learn about how we can make all your trivia dreams come true. We do the occasional public event. So go to BigQuizThing.com to learn all about it. Uh, or hire us for a virtual event, the most fun you can have online, which is saying a lot. Um, even more fun than watching Stranger Things, which is praise for me, but is very faint praise coming from Bill. So learn more at BigQuizThing.com. All right, everybody. Until the next wonderful, twee, Anglo-Saxon, folky episode of this year program. We, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.